This is a moment, the moment, the moment to restore the rights that have been taken away from us and the moment to protect our nation from the extremist agenda that is antithetical to everything we believe as Americans. Today, President Biden signed an executive order that's supposed to protect access to abortion care and reproductive health services. In his speech, Biden said that he's taking steps to make sure that people will still be able to get abortion medication, as well as emergency contraception. And he's directing the government to offer legal support to people seeking or providing abortions. I'm asking the Justice Department that much like they did in the civil rights era, to do something, do everything in their power to protect these women seeking to invoke their rights. In states where clinics are still open, to protect them from intimidation, to protect the right of women to travel from state that prohibits seeking the medical attention that she needs to a state to provide that care. These measures are aimed at helping people who already face obstacles to getting an abortion. But they're also a defense against new laws that are expected to come in anti-abortion states. One of the first questions right away that I started asking when I took this job on in December was, what if Roe is overturned? What then? Caroline Kitchener covers abortion for The Post. And something that anti-abortion lawmakers have said to me from the very beginning is, it doesn't end there. They believe that abortion is murder, and they're not okay with abortion and, you know, in their minds, murder being legal in half the states. It needs to be banned everywhere. And they are not going to stop until it is. And there's been a lot of discussion about a national abortion ban. That's sort of one avenue. But another avenue is trying to restrict people from leaving anti-abortion states and going to more abortion-friendly states for care. To be clear, none of this legislation has gotten very far at this point. These ideas are still somewhat theoretical and very early stage. But as anti-abortion lawmakers look at what's next, this issue of whether people can cross state lines to seek an abortion, it's shaping up to be a new battleground in the war over abortion access in the U.S. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Martine Powers. It's Friday, July 8th. Today, we bring you behind the scenes with some of the key players in the legal fight over abortion across state lines. The way that a lot of lawmakers are approaching this is similar to the abortion law in Texas, SB 8. So you might remember that this law makes it possible for average citizens to sue someone who helped a person seeking an abortion. What's being proposed now wouldn't actually stop a pregnant person from crossing state lines to seek an abortion, but it would allow residents of an anti-abortion state to sue someone in another state because they helped out with an abortion. So, you know, theoretically, if a law like this passed in Missouri, for example, then 
anybody, you know, according to Missouri law, anybody could file a lawsuit against, say, a abortion provider in Illinois that performed an abortion for a Missouri resident. So, you know, in that way, it's not you know, like, like all of the abortion laws that we're seeing so far, it's not actually punishing the person who gets the abortion. It's really targeting the people around her. So who is kind of leading the charge in this battle to find ways to prevent people from uh, seeking abortions out of state? As far as I know, the first person who really cemented this idea in a piece of legislation was Representative Mary Elizabeth Coleman of Missouri. Actually, can you run upstairs and turn your sound machine off and then come right back down? Can I count? I bet you can't do it by the time I count to 20. On your mark, go turn it off. Ready, set, go! One, two, three, is that her kid? Yes. (laughs) She's a very adorable family. There are six of them. Seven! Representative Mary Elizabeth Coleman joined the Missouri legislature in 2019 and right off the bat. I believe firmly that no matter what age you are, that if you are a woman, if you are a man, your life has value. You have inherent dignity. She was instrumental in drafting and passing, you know, what many I think would say was the most significant anti-abortion legislation to come out of Missouri in decades. And I asked the body to please support this legislation. And that piece of legislation almost ended abortions in Missouri. That's something that I think a lot of people didn't know, is that before Roe was overturned, there were only a handful of abortions taking place in Missouri every month. And that was, you know, mostly because of this law that she was instrumental in passing. So, you know, what you have to understand about Representative Coleman, this is her number one issue. And even after this law passed, it was incredibly frustrating to her because she knew that thousands of Missouri residents were driving across the border from Missouri to these clinics in Illinois. Hmm. And getting their abortions there. It is really disheartening to think of how many people are going to lose their lives in that clinic across the river. And so... And um, how many miles is it from it's like Missouri? miles or 12 miles, depending on how you measure, right? So it's not like people are traveling just tremendously far. It's not really onerous for people to deal with that. So it does make give you pause for people like me who believe really strongly that all life should be protected. And so what was her solution to that, the, the fact that she was so frustrated seeing people who were able to get abortions legally just a few miles away in another state? Well, her solution was to try to stop them from going to that state. And, you know, the way that she's described it to me, this is an idea that started occurring to her as soon as this big Planned Parenthood opened in Fairview Heights. It's like, OK, well, how do we how do we stop this? What can we do to try to protect Missourians from this? And, you know, it's really technically difficult to do because I certainly don't want to limit people's freedom of movement. That's not just illegal. I think that's pretty immoral. That's not something you want to be doing. So then what is she proposing, if not something that would limit people's freedom of movement? She's drawing a subtle difference between... She's saying she's not actually stopping people from leaving the state. What she's doing is creating consequences, civil liability consequences for providers, 
anybody who helps that woman to access abortion in another state. So she's not actually stopping her from leaving. What she's essentially doing is trying to prevent those people in other states from performing the abortion on her when she gets there. What's happening in Missouri is that you have a concerted effort to operate within the state of Missouri to avoid the laws of the state of Missouri. So what's that look like? You have billboards all across the state that say, come to Illinois where abortion is, you know, readily available. Or you have Planned Parenthood Great Plains operating clinics as sub-organizations in the state of Missouri that if I as a Missouri woman in Springfield, let's say, call to my Planned Parenthood in Springfield, they will schedule an abortion in Illinois. They might even say, we're going to get funds for you to do that. We're going to fundraise for it. We're going to pay for you to do this. Well, that's Missouri activity that is illegal in the state of Missouri under my proposal, which would be aiding and abetting violating the laws of the state of Missouri. I'll be honest and say, I I still think I don't really understand what this law would do. Mm -hmm. So with this law, would you only be able to sue people in Missouri, or would you also be able to sue people in Illinois? Or Yeah, that's a great question. Hypothetically, yeah, you could sue people in Illinois. You could sue, if we're talking about Missouri, the Missouri-Illinois border, you could sue anybody who helps in any way to facilitate an abortion on a Missouri resident, wherever that person might be. If they are in Missouri, if they're in Illinois, if they're in Hmm. Kansas, wherever. So as long as the person receiving the abortion is a Missouri resident. Yes. So it's anyone who's like related to helping that person get an abortion outside of the state. Exactly. Whether or not they live in Missouri or whether or not they live someplace else. Exactly. All those people are fair game. Well, that's the thing. It's incredibly difficult to understand what conduct would be encompassed So on one side of this, you have Representative Mary Elizabeth Coleman in Missouri. And on the other side, you have Representative Matt Blumenthal in Connecticut. But ultimately, it could apply to almost anyone who provides any meaningful assistance to someone trying to obtain what is in the destination state a safe legal abortion. And that includes perhaps even the Uber driver, but certainly the doctors or nurses or other providers who assist in the care, the facility that is the location for it, residents of the destination state who may house the person or provide them with some sort of financial assistance. The efforts to impose liability on these sorts of people are really extreme and aggressive. Um, And that's why laws like ours are so necessary. Matt Blumenthal and Mary Elizabeth Coleman have found themselves on, you know, these dueling sides of this legislation, you know, about restricting access to abortion across state lines. Representative Blumenthal, he's the oldest son of Senator Blumenthal of Connecticut. He is a young lawyer and has drafted legislation to try to combat the exact laws that, you know, Mary Elizabeth Coleman is suggesting. Is this, I mean, I think this is probably like the the central question here and a question that's being argued, but like, is this constitutional? Like, are lawmakers in one state able to take these kinds of actions to prevent stuff from happening in another state that is not their state? That's a really good question. I asked Representative Blumenthal about that. Yeah, so states' powers to impose their laws, they don't end at their borders. And under something called the effects doctrine, 
if conduct outside of a state has a certain amount of significance or effect inside the state, the state can regulate it or impose liability on it. And so what that means is that if a Texas citizen, for instance, which Texas has a legal right to impose its laws on, were to travel to another state to receive care that's illegal in Texas, Texas could theoretically prosecute that person or someone in Texas could sue that person under one of these civil lawsuit uh, laws that created like SB8. I think one point that's important to make there with this civil liability strategy that borrows from the Texas law, you know, no one actually needs to sue for this law to work. There just needs to be a fear that the law could be enforced. So what I mean by that is, you know, imagine if you are a doctor who's providing abortions in Illinois. If there's a law like this on the books, you might be so afraid that you would be sued Hmm. that you would not even attempt to do that abortion. You wouldn't need to wait for somebody to sue you. It's that looming threat of the lawsuit that could be extremely effective. I'm also curious, like, what is the historical precedent for this? I mean, are there other cases where there there have been these kinds of battles of some states trying to figure out legal ways to prevent people from doing something that they don't want to have happen in other states? I actually asked that question to Representative Blumenthal, who brought up the Fugitive Slave Act. So this situation is not unprecedented in our history, but it calls back to some of the darkest times in our country, uh, specifically the antebellum period after the Fugitive Slave Law of 1850 was passed. During that period, northern states like Connecticut passed what were called personal liberty laws, which were essentially very similar to what we're doing today, intended to obstruct and otherwise prevent people from essentially kidnapping Black Americans within our state's borders and returning them to slave states. We could end up in a similar legal situation to that period where states were essentially at legal war with each other, where there was constant litigation of great complexity between states, between states and the federal government, between individuals and both states and the federal government. And so for someone like Representative Coleman, what would she say to this argument that her proposed legislation would restrict individual liberty in this way? You know, she does draw that subtle difference between restricting somebody's movement and limiting what a provider can do when you reach your destination state. For people who are concerned about what the Constitution allows regarding travel, I am too. I think it's really incredibly important that we're very respectful of the Constitution and the way that it's written. But states have broad latitude to protect their citizens from activity even outside of the state of Missouri. So um, if our children are being harmed in this state or in another state, Missouri still has the ability to, to take care of that. Just as I don't think your right to exist is based on how old you are, your right to exist also shouldn't be based on what state your mother happens to be in. And Missouri has a right to be able to protect our citizens from action that's targeted to hurt them, no matter what state that occurs in. 
How much do you think what Coleman is proposing is reflective of of the wider anti-abortion movement? I mean, do you think that they're pretty united on the idea that this is the solution to the problem of how to make abortion illegal everywhere? They're definitely not in all agreement on this. For my recent story, I interviewed people from a lot of different organizations, and I would say it ranges from People like Representative Coleman are, like, all in on this. Like, they think that this is this is really the solution. And then there are some people, you know, I would put students for life in this category who are kind of curious about this and are discussing it at their conferences but are, you know, still trying to figure out whether this is the way forward. And then there are people, you know, I, I spoke with Americans United for Life, which is another very large anti-abortion organization that focuses mostly on drafting model legislation. And they said, you know, actually, we don't think that this is constitutional. So it kind of runs the gambit on that. You know, I think that what is being proposed here is so counter to how so many of us think about the laws between states or how we think that these laws are supposed to work. I mean, as Americans, it feels like we have this ingrained sense that there are things that are legal in some states that are not legal in other states, right? Like you can cross state lines and buy fireworks or gamble at a casino, and that when you move from one state to another, the laws from the new state apply to you. But I I think this issue now is bringing up this question of, like, is this really a constitutional right? Or, Or what does it say in the Constitution about whether laws from one state apply to you when you move to another state. Yeah, I mean, those kinds of questions were all over my Twitter, all over my email. And so I asked, I asked Representative Blumenthal about that. And, you know, what he said is, you know, there are fewer protections in the Constitution that are explicitly outlined in the Constitution than you might think. So I think commonly... Americans believe that they have a right to go anywhere in the United States that they please at will. That being said, there is no enumerated right in the Constitution to interstate travel. Enumerated just means explicit. It says it out loud. And this court has already displayed that it is extremely hostile to unenumerated rights. In fact, Roe is overturned because the right to abortion is an unenumerated right, and the court majority found that there was not sufficient basis in our history and tradition to justify keeping Roe and protecting a right to abortion. After the break, we talk about how this battle between states could get very legally complicated. We'll be right back. In the two weeks since Roe v. Wade was overturned, there has been a lot of fear around the potential implications. And so proposed legislation like what Coleman is pushing in Missouri is getting a lot of attention, even though nothing like this has actually passed yet. Well, I think it's important to say, like, this is a proposed bill. Like, this has not become law. There has been model legislation that has been proposed on a national level, but this bill in Missouri failed in the 2022 session, right? So currently, that bill in Missouri is not going anywhere. 
And and are other states considering legislation that's like this? I mean, does this have a chance of passing in other states, even if not in Missouri for right now? They are. I mean, two major anti-abortion groups are beginning to draft model legislation on this issue, which means that, you know, essentially they are drafting legislation that a variety of states can choose to take up. And if they do, there will be a template that exists for them to sort of easily propose something like this. Now, most legislative sessions are adjourned for the year, but some states are either coming back or contemplating coming back for a special session in response to the Roe decision. And they are specifically coming back to talk about anti-abortion legislation. So that is something Mm -hmm. that we should be watching. Is this issue of interstate travel going to come up in those sessions? South Dakota is a state that comes to mind for me because Governor Christy Noem announced on the day of the Roe decision that they were going to come back into session to discuss anti-abortion legislation. And South Dakota already has a full trigger ban. So they've already sort of done the most when it comes to banning abortion. So the logical question is what comes next? This could be something that Mm. comes next. So for someone like Representative Matt Blumenthal, who is clearly against these types of laws, what is his solution for how to combat them? So the legislation that he helped pass it offers a wide variety of protections for both patients from anti-abortion states that are coming into Connecticut for abortion care and the providers in Connecticut who are performing those abortions. So it feels like this is all starting to get very complicated legally, right? I mean, you have one set of proposed laws that would allow people from one state to sue people in another state, but then now you're talking about another set of laws that would potentially kind of fight back against that or make those laws not apply. I mean, I don't really understand how this all shakes out or like what exactly this new set of legislation would do to block the first set of legislation. That's a really good question. And I and I actually asked Representative Blumenthal to really lay out his legislation. Sure. So the short version is that this law is meant to create a safe harbor here in Connecticut for our doctors, for our nurses, for our providers, our facilities, residents, and people who come here for care. And it essentially does that by blocking any aspect of the state government from cooperating in any way with an out-of-state investigation, lawsuit, or prosecution of care that's legal here. The specific measures are privacy protections, a ban on any state or local agency, including law enforcement, from cooperating or assisting in any way with an out-of-state investigation into care that's legal here. It also blocks our courts from honoring criminal summonses or civil subpoenas from out of state for information about this sort of care. It modifies our extradition statute so that we will not honor an extradition request for a person if another state is trying to seek liability on them for this sort of care, unless they were fleeing from that state that's seeking their extradition or the the care or the conduct would have otherwise been illegal here. And it also creates a private right of action, essentially an ability to countersue against anyone who sues you under one of these Texas-style bounty laws. So if you receive care or provide care or assist someone in obtaining care here in Connecticut that's legal, and then you get sued by someone in Texas under SB8, you'd be able to sue that person right back for damages, attorney fees, and costs. And the idea is to deter anyone from trying to investigate or 
sue someone for this sort of care in the first place. Honestly, what Representative Blumenthal is describing here sounds like a lot of conflict between states. So are there other states who are considering the same kind of thing that Connecticut has in, in terms of creating these safe harbors or places where residents of another anti-abortion state cannot sue people there? There are. New York did several weeks ago. Massachusetts passed similar legislation through its house. Illinois is contemplating similar legislation. California passed something similar. And I know that the states of Washington and Oregon are also looking into it. And and what does he make of that question of how complicated things are going to get if you have states suing and countersuing and, and a completely different set of rules around these questions of, of what each state is able to legislate and, and regulate when it comes to abortion? I think it's a whole new world that nobody really knows what to expect from, honestly. That's one of the ironies of this situation is that the conservatives on the Supreme Court in particular have said for a long time that overturning Roe would get them out of the business of deciding cases related to abortion. And frankly, nothing further could be the truth. You know, they're going to be dealing with all sorts of abortion-related cases with incredible complexity and volume that they have never really dealt with. And so it's a deep irony of the situation. Additionally, you know, we could see a situation where there's a kind of underground railroad type of situation where people are secretly helping other people to get to states where the care is legal. And there are additional both legal but also social protections in those states to prevent that care from being banned and burdened or people being criminalized or prosecuted for providing it. It could really be incredibly divisive, creating two Americas that are essentially at legal war with one another. Matt Blumenthal is a state representative in Connecticut. Mary Elizabeth Coleman is a state representative in Missouri. Caroline Kitchener covers abortion for The Post. This story was produced and mixed by our senior producer, Ted Muldoon, with editing from Peter Walston, Maggie Penman, and Rena Flores. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Our executive producer is Maggie Penman. Our supervising senior producer is Rena Flores. Our senior producer is Ted Muldoon. Our editor is Alexis Diao. Arjun Singh, Charlotte Freeland, Jordan Murray Smith, Ariel Plotnik, and Renny Svernovsky are producers. Sabi Robinson and Emma Talkoff are assistant producers. Sean Carter is our engineer. Our intern is Natalie Bettendorf. The post-director of audio is Renita Jablonski. I'm Martine Powers. We'll be back on Monday with more stories from The Washington Post. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening.